Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. In today's episode, we're talking to my sweet friend, Janine Woodall. Janine is a photographer, a writer, and one of my most inspiring friends. You guys are going to love her. Janine's actually one of the reasons I officially decided to start this podcast last fall. She and I went to dinner one night and we had just the best conversation. I walked away so inspired and encouraged and so excited about God and this beautiful life we're all living. And as I was walking away, I wished more than anything that y'all could have been there at the table with us to hear the story she was sharing with me. And really, that's how I knew I had to start a podcast. These conversations need to be heard. And that's exactly how I felt after our conversation today as well. In this episode, we talk about God and how to hear from Him and how to know what He's telling you to do in life. We talk about finances and how we've both gotten out of debt so we can freely pursue our dreams. We talk about learning to love ourselves for who God created us to be. And we talk about how to live our lives to the absolute full, which is what Janine is doing times a thousand. God has her on the most beautiful adventure right now. I cannot wait for you to hear about it. But before we jump in, there's something I wanted to take just one quick second to tell you about. So if you've been hanging out at our girls' nights for a while now, you might have heard that a few times a year I teach an online course called Make the Most of Your Single Life. It's one of my very favorite parts of my job because I basically get to lead an online small group of the most amazing women. And over the course of a month, we talk about how to live this season of being single to the absolute full. Listen, I'll be the very first to say that being single can be tough. It really can be. It can be lonely and frustrating and confusing. We're asking questions like, why haven't I met my person yet? Or how do I meet great guys? It seems like all the good ones are taken. Or how much am I supposed to be putting myself out there? And how much am I supposed to be waiting on God? Or how do I stop comparing myself and my love life and my story to those of my friends? Or how do I live this season with joy and contentment? Or what am I supposed to do with my sex drive while I'm single? And so many more. Those are all questions we answer in the course, by the way. But really, while being single can be really tough and confusing, it's also such a crucially important season of our lives. This season while we're single is the perfect time to figure out who we are and where we're going in life. It's the perfect time to invest in our relationship with God and in our relationship with our communities and with our family. It's the perfect time to invest in our hearts and to heal from some of the hard things that have happened to us in the past. And it's the perfect time to have so much fun and so many wonderful adventures and experiences. And that's exactly what this course is all about. I'll teach you how to make the very most of your single life, how to live this season of your life to the absolute full, and not just so that you don't miss out on years of your wild and precious life, but also because making the most of our single lives is the very best way for us to meet a really awesome guy and the very best way for us to prepare ourselves for an amazing marriage. A question Carl and I are asked all the time is, what can I be doing to prepare myself for marriage? And our answer is always the same, make the most of your single life. We can both trace so much of the goodness and the warmth and the health and the connectedness of our marriage back to the decisions we made when we were single. And that's exactly what this course is about. Okay, so here are the details. You can find out all about the course and get your name on the waiting list at loveyoursinglelife.com. That link will also be in our show notes, so you can find it there. And like I said at the beginning, I only teach the course twice a year. Well, super exciting news on that front. The next round of the course is coming up soon. Registration is opening back up on February 5th. And if this sounds like it's up your alley, I would love for you to join us. Now, one quick thing I want to say on that is that I know some of you may be listening to this after February 5th, and that is totally fine. Head to the website anyway, put your name on the waiting list, and you'll be the very first to know next time the course is opening back up. 
Y'all, I am so excited to share this with you, and I'm so excited for you to meet Janine because she's such a wonderful example of someone who's making the very most of her single life. So let's introduce y'all. You ready? Here's my conversation with Janine. Guys, I am so, so excited about what we have going on today. I'm sitting here with my friend Janine, um, and I am so excited for you to get to know her. You're going to absolutely fall in love with her. Um, so friend, before we dive into anything, would you just take a second and introduce yourself to us? And um, I've been putting all of my friends on the spot, and I'm asking everyone <laughs> to share a fun fact, which is insanely hard. So I gave you some warning, so I'm really excited to see what you came up with. <laughs> Hi, yeah, I'm Janine, and my name is spelled super weird, um, and so that's been a point of contention my whole life, but now I love it as an adult. Um, that's not my fun fact. That was just random. But it <laughs> is a fun fact. It is a fun fact. It, it, is, it is pretty tricky, but you it, have, like, all of, like, your Instagram handle is just your name. I mean, you have, it's it's an advantage. Yeah, as a kid, I really didn't like it because nobody could pronounce it. But now I'm like, oh, I was able to buy a domain that's just my first name. Like, that's pretty crazy. Pretty legit. Yep, pretty legit. Um, Yeah, so I am, let's see, I just turned 28. I'm originally from California and actually just moved back here to the Bay Area, just south of San Francisco after living in Nashville for four years. Um, I've only been back for a week, so it's all still really crazy. Fresh. A little bit new, yep. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, and then uh, some fun facts. Uh, I have two. One is kind of dumb, but it's like a big integral part of my life. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. Yes, like, I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> like huge people. It's kind of always a point of conversation because people know that I am that person. Um, and then something else that's kind of cool is growing up, my dad was actually a race car driver. So, uh, yeah, super weird. Um, but, uh, we spent a lot of our weekends up and down the West coast, um, when he was doing all that until I was about eight, eight years old. So that was really, really fun. cool. Yeah. That's really <laughs> yeah. cool. Well, and Janine, you're also an amazing photographer and you've been doing that like for work a lot more lately, haven't you? I have. Thank you very much. Um, here's another thing about me. I'm really bad at taking compliments, but I'm getting better. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, it's always kind of hard. I'm with you. Yeah. So I started doing it in college and kind of let it drop off. And then when I got into Nashville, about two years into Nashville, I started picking it back up again. And yeah, you're right. I have been doing a lot of it lately and, um, lots of family shoots, you know, for Christmas cards and senior shoots and that kind of stuff. And then actually I've already gotten some booked out here in the Bay area, which is crazy and completely God's provision because I'm really bad at marketing myself. It feels really uncomfortable for me. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. I do do photography and I blog and, uh, I do like mini blogging on Instagram, which seems to be the thing everyone's doing nowadays. So, yeah. Well, and you're so, um, just your words are so beautiful and so, uh, relatable and so easy to connect to. And I feel like, you know, I was just telling you before we started recording that every time I come across something that you've written, I just, I'm inspired and I'm inspired to get closer to the Lord and I'm inspired to, um, like love myself better. And I, I feel like every time I come across something you've written or created, I feel like I'm given permission all over again to feel confident, confident and comfortable in my skin, which is such a huge <laughs> gift. That's such a cool thing to be contagious about, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I think authenticity is one of the most important things that we can foster, especially in Christian community, 
and, you know, letting go of that image of perfection or that standard that we think we need to measure up to. So I always try to be as real as possible. Sometimes that means I might throw in a curse word or two. Um, but if it's how I really feel (laughs) and I know that other people may be able to relate to it in the season they're in, um, I feel that it's worth it. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well placed curse word, not a bad thing. Um, so Janine, I wanted to say how we met really quick and I've been doing this kind of at the beginning of each episode almost as like just an encouragement um, when it comes to friendship, because I feel like a lot of the women that I've gotten to interview on the podcast so far have been, some of them have been old friends. Um, Mm -hmm. But even there, there's kind of, you know, we've picked up things along the way about how to maintain friendships for a long time or continue to invest in each other when we live far apart. But um, Mm -hmm. I love how you and I met because you and I met um, right after I almost made a really big friendship mistake. Um, and it's actually something I wrote about it in uh, the Lipstick Gospel Devotional, which I don't know if I even told you about that. Um, but you and I met at our dear friend, Caitlin, who's also been on the podcast mm-hmm. um, at Caitlin's birthday party. And um, it was a year ago, actually, like almost mm-hmm. exactly. And um, I was, I, I knew that I wanted to be there for Caitlin's birthday. You know, we were, we had dinner at this awesome restaurant here in Nashville and I was so excited to go. But the day of her party, I woke up like just not feeling awesome. And I wasn't really sick. Like if I was really, really sick, I for sure wouldn't have gone, but it was kind mm-hmm. of on the line where you kind of don't want to go, but you feel like you should. And as I was thinking about it, I had this moment where I thought she won't even really notice if I don't go. Like, it's not really a big deal if I don't go. Um, well, I ended up going and it turns out Caitlin totally would have noticed if I wasn't there. Um, which we tell I think we tell ourselves that lie all the time. Like no one, it really doesn't matter. No one, no one cares. They won't notice if I'm not there, but we do notice when people aren't there. We, we notice when people show up for us. And so I'm so glad that I like, you know, took some Dayquil and showed up because (laughs) it was so special to get to spend her birthday with her. Um, But the other thing that happens when we say yes, even when we feel like saying no, is so often we meet friends of friends and I got to meet you and we had so much fun um, sitting at dinner (laughs) talking. We talked forever and it was such a blast and I never would have met you if I wouldn't have said yes to going to Caitlin's birthday. And I just, that's kind of an encouragement for all of us every time we want to be like, oh, I mean, I probably just won't go or like they won't notice if I'm not there or, you know, this is awkward and uncomfortable. So I'm not going to show up like good things happen when we do. And our friendship is, is a byproduct of that. I'm so, I'm so grateful for that. Absolutely. Yeah. That was, uh, and then we got dinner and I just, what a, what a um, divinely placed friendship I feel like, because I had actually was in the same boat. I wasn't feeling well that day either, which is crazy. We haven't talked about that. Um, and, uh, last minute I was like, no, I'm going to go cause I love Caitlin and it'll be fine. I can leave early if I really don't feel well. So yeah, definitely glad that I said yes as well. Yes. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and I'm glad you mentioned our dinner because, um, so yeah, you and I got dinner like, you know, a month or so after. And, um, I feel like God did so much in my heart and in my life during Mm -hmm. our dinner because you and I sat there forever and Mm -hmm. shared stories about our lives and like how we've gotten to know God and what he's been doing in our, you know, in us and through us. And, um, it was so cool because I feel like, and I think we both wrote an Instagram post afterwards about this, that, um, (laughs) it was such a reminder for each of us about the power of telling your story because you weren't trying to like speak to me. You were just trying to tell me about your life. And I wasn't trying to speak to you. I was just trying to tell you about my life. And you and I both walked away like, Whoa, God showed me so much tonight. And I'm so like, it was so good for my heart. I walked away so filled up from that. And it was just such a good reminder of how powerful that can be. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that was one of those nights where like, I think we just, un it was so unprompted, but a door just opened for us to both share our stories and our testimonies. And it ended up being so mutually encouraging, which I think is so important. And then breeds into that whole authenticity thing. Um, being willing to share the hard parts and the great parts of your story in your life. You have no idea what kind of impact a that will have on the people you're telling, but B what it can do for your own soul. Um, yeah, that was such a sweet, that was like one of my favorite dinners I had in all my years in Nashville because it felt so um, unapologetic, so vulnerable and so real, which is amazing. Like there's no yes. other words for that. Well, and it's funny because, Oh gosh, that means so much to me. I'm so glad it was mutual. <laughs> we both were like, Oh, that's so good. Um, but I, I left that night feeling so encouraged and I left thinking, I so wish I had a recording of our conversation one, so I could listen back, but two, I wish other people could have taken part in that. And I wish that other people could be so encouraged, like could have left as encouraged as I was. And right around that time, I mean, I sat on the idea of starting a podcast forever and ever. And that <laughs> dinner, I, that is like on, I feel like that's like marked in history for me as one of the days that really pushed me in this direction thinking like, okay, like other girls need to get to have dinner with you, you know, and other girls need to get to have dinner with my friends. And so, yeah. um, so yeah, this podcast, I mean, you helped me so much in that. And so I just knew I had to have you on. I, I knew I, I had to. <laughs> Well, I'm super honored. So thank okay. you. <laughs> well, okay. You have so many pieces to your story that I just love. Um, and so many things that God has been doing in your life. Um, and, um, one, and so I really, I'm so excited to hear about them. And another reason that I'm really excited to have you on is, um, I know you know this and I, and I think most of the girls who are listening know this, but I have this course and it's called make the most of your single life. Um, and you know, you and I were just talking about this, that, um, the time when we're single and dating and however long that lasts, sometimes it's, you know, a, a short time. Sometimes it feels like it's forever. Um, mm -hmm. it can be really hard and it's challenging and lonely for different reasons. And, um, I think that we as a culture, especially as, as a church culture can put such pressure on, um, on marriage and, and make marriage sort of this end goal, which leaves being single and dating as this like waiting period. Um, yeah. and it's something that I've had conversations with. So I had conversations with so many of the, the awesome women in our community about it. And, um, it really, all those conversations and all the things that I'd experienced in my own time of being single and dating and getting married, like, um, all that kind of came together in this course in this community, which has been so fun. Um, and really the heart of it is to, to use this time that it's not a time of waiting. It's a time of adventure and purpose and meaning and growth and um, development and depth with the Lord and with our friends and with ourselves. And the reason, one of the reasons, one of the many reasons I'm so excited for the girls to get to hear from you is because you are doing this so well in your life. You are <laughs> like, truly, I'm so excited for the girls to get to hear what God's been doing in your life because you're going to get so many emails after this. I feel like that are like, Janine, I'm traveling to Europe because of you. Or like, I just did this because of you. And I mean, you really are doing this so well. And I know it doesn't always feel perfect, but like, you're really, um, you're really living this season of your life and just your general life so well into the full and so intentionally. And so I'm so excited for girls to get to hear what that looks like so that they can just be encouraged that they can do it too. You're so sweet. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like a hot mess most days. I think a lot of us do. Um, but yeah, figuring it out one step at a time. God is really gracious with me because I'm not the, um, the first one to like take that leap, but, um, he keeps putting me in situations where I kind of have to, and it's been so sweet. So yeah. 
I love that. Um, So before we, I know that um, you are really in the middle of a really amazing adventure right now. And I'm so excited to hear about that. Um, But before we even talk about that, there's a pretty significant reason why some of these adventures had to wait in your life. Um, You've Mm -hmm. been um, in a different kind of season of, of waiting in that you've been working really hard to do something and that's pay off debt. Can you, um, talk about that a little (laughs) bit? I, you and I, um, I feel like I should give everyone kind of a a disclaimer here. You and I, I feel like nerded out about this for so long at dinner. And so that's about to happen. You guys just heads up, get ready. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I guess I should probably say I used to work for Dave Ramsey when I was living in Nashville. So if anyone's not familiar with Dave, he is a financial, um, advisor and counselor has a radio show and an author and all this stuff, but basically his, main principle is teaching people how to get out of debt so that then they can live their lives, um, in freedom and be able to give more and do the things that they really want to do. And so, uh, when I moved to Nashville, um, I moved without a job, which was terrifying, but, um, ended up at at Ramsey's, um, company and it was amazing. took me about a year of being there to get really serious about paying off my student loans. And I'm going to go ahead and let you know it wasn't because I was working there that I felt like I needed to do it. It was because, um, I was in a place where I was uh, deep in prayer and asking the Lord, um, is there more than what I'm doing right now? Like, what do I really want to do? What do you really have for me beyond this job and beyond this place? And I really felt deep in my heart that he was telling me, um, that he had more for me, but it wouldn't happen until I took care of my personal debt, which was my student loans from uh, college and then my car loan. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of that conviction, honestly, that like got my gears running. Um, and from there I was like, okay, well, if I don't get to step into more until I'm done with this, then let's get this done. And it seemed like a really intimidating thing to do, especially as a single person on a single income. So, um, it was hard. It was really, really hard. And I like kind of fought tooth and nail to even get started. But I found that the hardest part for me as a single person was accountability Hmm. because nobody else was looking at my bank account. Nobody was looking at my budget. I, if I wanted something, I had to buy it myself. And so, um, one of the first things that I did was I found someone who could be my accountability through the process. I called her my budget buddy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, what we did was we met once a month and we would meet at the beginning of the month and look at my proposed budget. And then a month later we would look at what my actual budget then ended up looking like versus my proposed. And we just did that every month. Um, So basically I knew I couldn't spend money without her knowing. So if I wanted to buy that dress, she would know about it. So it helped keep me in a place where I knew someone else is going to see this. So I better not do that. Or if I'm going to do that, she went ahead and said, yeah, if you want to go to that concert or buy that dress, just make the money to do it. Don't take it from what you're putting toward debt, Mm. basically. Yeah. Um, And so I found as a single person too, I did have to take on more jobs to get it done as quickly as I ended up getting it done. So it was hard. It was a hard two years of so many random side hustles Um, (laughs) because I had my full-time job as an assistant, but then I was um, a lot of babysitting, some dog sitting. I did tutoring for a year. Uh, I started picking up photography again, so that was helpful. Um, And then I feel like there were a bunch of other random things. I sold a lot of stuff. Uh, like I would go through my closet every month or two and just sell stuff. Um, but eventually that put me in a great financial place where I was able to pay off all my debt. And, um, 
I have to say, like, there were a couple things that I learned in that process. One was that the hustle is not sustainable. Um, you can work as much as you want and do all the things you want to do, but it's not sustainable long term. I burned out a few times and it was not my finest moment. <laughs> but uh, that was when I learned, like, okay, rest is okay and it's okay if I want to do all these things, but I also need to know when it, it's time to take care of myself. And maybe that means saying no to opportunities where I could have made money. And that was hard for me to do. Um, or maybe it meant taking a little bit of that money and going to get a massage or getting my nails done. Like little bits of self-care were really important mm-hmm. um, to help me not burn out in the process. Because it'd be easy to burn out and then say, I'm done with this. I'm just going to go back to not worrying about it. Yeah. But um, man, I would have regretted if I did that, particularly now that I'm on the other side. And then the other thing I did too, which I thought was really important was I set little like goals. So after, um, like after my car was paid off, I like treated myself to something. So I had like little rewards along the way so that I wasn't looking two years down the road and saying, well, in two years I'll finally be done because knowing my personality, that is way too long (laughs) to wait for something. And so I said, okay, well, in seven months, I'll be done with this loan. So I'll go ahead and treat myself to this thing. It just helped me stay more motivated and honestly ended up um, making me persevere even harder because I'd get one debt paid off and then I'd be like, oh, wow, I did it. I can do this. I can do this. I can do more. I can sacrifice more. I don't have to go out to eat as much, but let's be honest, I wouldn't have to eat a lot because I don't like cooking. Mm. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it it helped me to stay motivated, to have have the little rewards in mind, Um, self-care was super important and then having that accountability and making a budget. I mean, making a budget is key. If you don't have the numbers written down beforehand, you're going to spend money on all this stuff and have no idea where your money went. So budget. Um, it's funny when you and I talked about this one, I just, I loved, um, I loved hearing about this because one, I mean, I had, I had a bunch of student debt that, that I finally got paid off, um, gosh, maybe a year and a half ago, um, mm-hmm. which was awesome. But, um, I mean, I know that so many, this is something we've actually talked about a lot in my, in my community, um, all the women going through my course, make the most your single life, that so many of them have these really big dreams and things they want to do, but so many of them are like in financial prison because they have mm-hmm. such debt and there are things that they can't they just can't do certain things until that, until that debt's paid off. And, um, I, I am so glad you mentioned self-care and, and really taking care of yourself along the way, because you can run further when you're taking care of yourself at intervals along the way. Um, but I also really love that you, that you really took this time and that God disciplined you to say, listen, like I have really big things for you, but you can't do them while you're in the midst of this. And so you need to take time and you need to put some of the fun things aside for a while, but it'll be worth it in the long run. I love that. Um, but when you and I were talking about budgeting <laughs> at dinner, um, budgeting, I mean, speaking of not having accountability, I never had a budget until I got married. And when I finally had to make one, I was just miserable about it. Um, because <laughs> it sounded like the least fun thing ever. Um, and the, the interesting thing, you know, as you were talking about paying things off as a single person, the thing that's hard about being married is that you have to be in agreement about, about it. And that like each of you might be kind of bad about money in different ways or, um, yeah, it's really easy to pull each other off course to be like, uh, we should maybe eat in. But if one person's like, no, let's just get to get Chipotle, you're getting Chipotle. <laughs> um, but really, I mean, Carl and I created a budget for the first time. Um, we use, uh, it's called YNAB. It's, um, mm-hmm. you need a budget and I just love it. Um, but we 
created a budget a couple months into us being married and it has offered such freedom and possibilities. And, um, my favorite example is I think, you know, all the time throughout our lives, like different financial challenges come up, things get expensive, things happen, whatever. Um, we were, uh, Carl, I think, had to get like an oil change and they ended up telling him that all four of his tires needed to be replaced, which is a bazillion dollars, like yeah. the most expensive <laughs> thing ever. Um, and I think initially, or I mean, normally my, my reaction would have been just fury. Like, I cannot believe this is happening. This sucks so much. And, um, and also, I mean, it would have been like, I guess, tighten our belts in every way. I guess we can't go on this trip or eat out or you can't buy new shoes or whatever the thing is. But because we had a bucket for each dollar that we spent, we had a purpose for each dollar and we'd been saving up a little bit by a little bit each month. Um, mm -hmm. We were able to actually pay for the tires, just pay for them. And we were able to go to lunch afterwards and it was totally okay. It wasn't even a bad day. And mm -hmm. that day, I, I mean, I just was like, Oh, oh, okay. Yes. It sounds like this really boring, really not fun thing, but actually it's a little bit of intentionality on the front end that leads to such freedom and, and goodness yes. on the back end. Yeah. Just a little bit of planning for those rainy days that always are going to come. They're always going to come. So when you just plan for it and have that money set aside, it makes those emergencies so much easier to get through because you don't have that on your back. You don't have to put it on a credit card necessarily. You can just pay for it and be done with it. Mm -hmm. Um, yes, planning. It's fun. It's not fun, but, but it leads it's to definitely, yes. And it's definitely worth it. Yes, yes. <laughs> hey friends. I wanted to take a quick pause for my conversation with Janine to thank our sponsor for this week. We just started having sponsors for our girls' nights, and I love it because these sponsorships allow us to pour so much more time and energy and love and resources into our girls' nights. I also love them because these sponsors came to us and said, uh, hey, can we give our listeners some discounts and free stuff? And of course, I said, uh, yeah, of course you can. Our sponsor today is a company that I just love. It's HelloFresh. I know lots of y'all have heard of them, but just in case you haven't, HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step -step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook and eat and enjoy. And everyone said, amen, right? So some of you may already know this about me, but I'm not the best cook. When Carl and I got married, I could cook uh, mac and cheese and pasta, and that's literally it. Now, while I've definitely gotten better, I still don't love meal planning or cooking. It's just not my gift. And that's why I love HelloFresh. We got our latest box of HelloFresh meals last night, and that was perfect because Carl and I both had really busy days. He didn't get home until like 8 o'clock at night, and by that time we were both starving, and we were both so glad dinner was already taken care of. So when he got home last night, we opened up our HelloFresh box, and we had three meals to choose from. And let me tell you, they all looked so good, we had to do rock, paper, scissors to decide which one we were going to make. My vote was the burgers, but Carl won out with a Carolina barbecue chicken, which came with mac and cheese, so zero part of me was complaining. Oh, that's one thing. When you order HelloFresh, you get to pick between three different meal plans, either classic or veggie or family. We picked classic, which is a variety of meat and fish and veggies. We just love it. So anyway, last night was great because so much of the work was already done for us. We didn't have to go to the grocery store or spend a bunch of time meal planning. All the ingredients were there and ready to go. And they were all separated out so you knew which ingredients to use for each recipe. And they were in these perfectly sized pre-measured containers. All we had to do was open them. The box also came with a detailed step-by-step -step recipe card with pictures that even I could follow, which I'm telling you is really saying something. The best part is that 30 minutes later, we had a delicious home-cooked meal without any of the hassle or the mess or the stress. 
Guys, I'm such a fan of HelloFresh, and I love them even more because they want to give you $30 off your first week of meals. Isn't that amazing? $30 of food for free. So here's how you get it. For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and enter promo code STEPHANIE30. That's the number 3030. Again, the website is HelloFresh.com, and the promo code for $30 off your first week of meals is STEPHANIE30. Thank you so much to HelloFresh for sponsoring our girls' nights. And without any further ado, let's get back to my conversation with Janine. Well, um, so I want to hear, like, so God has been um, doing some amazing things in your life. And he had a lot for you, and he has a lot for you that um, you kind of had to get through this hurdle in order for him to really talk to you about it. So what has he been speaking to you about? And tell us about the journey you're on now. It's so exciting. Um, okay. So uh, I kind of have to backtrack like a year and a half. Uh, it was April of 2016. And, um, uh, I just, one day I was going through the motions, you know, working and doing all the extra jobs and everything. I was tired. I was, I was, I was nearing one of my burnouts. Um, and I had a thought that just popped into my head, um, that, uh, well, I should say, okay. So my end reward the whole time while I was paying off all my debt was I told myself I was going to go to Europe for a few weeks. Cause I have some family in London and I've always wanted to go. So I was like, Hey, that's going to be like my end. That's what I'm looking forward to. It's going to be awesome. But then back, back in April, 2016, I, a thought came into my head. Um, and it was just, Oh, uh, maybe you're going to be in Europe longer than two weeks. Well, I was like, well, that's weird. That doesn't make any sense. I don't have that much vacation time at work. I'm going to ignore that thought, which ironically is how I ended up moving to Nashville. It's like the same story. I had a thought that I was supposed to move to the South and I was like, that's weird. I've never been there Bye. not going to think about that anymore. Just kept popping up. And then we know that I ended up moving to Nashville eventually. Um, so yeah, so it popped up, but I tried to ignore it. Um, and then it just kept, it just kept coming up, whether it was a conversation I was having with a friend or something I was reading, uh, this thought about traveling in Europe just would not go away. It was very nagging. And typically I know that if something keeps coming up, it's not me thinking it, it's the Holy Spirit telling me something. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I'm not like the most flexible person changes hard, especially big changes, like traveling for a few months. And so, uh, I had to go to my mentor, um, who is actually who I'm living with right now in California. She's basically like my second mom. And so when I was home last summer, I, uh, I came to their house and they were asking how Nashville was and how my job was. And I had just seen all my family up in Sacramento and I just started crying. Like it was not pretty, but, um, it was the first time I verbalized this dream that I had to travel Europe for a few months. And I tried to self-justify it. I said, well, but it's crazy. It doesn't make sense. It's very irresponsible. It's the millennium's dream, right? Mm-hmm. Or millennium? Millennial. Yeah. Oh gosh. You know what I mean? Both. Um, yes. <laughs> and uh, so I was almost trying to like say it's not a real thing. I can't really go do it. And um this woman, her name's Lois. She's the best. I hope she listens. She's going to listen to this. Um, (laughs) she, uh, she looked at me and said, well, Janine, it's really not that crazy. You're in your twenties, you're single and you're not going to have any debt. And I was like, Oh, well, okay. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, and then she said, Oh, and Hey, remember when you felt like you were supposed to move to Nashville and you said all of the same things that it felt crazy and irresponsible and it didn't make sense. And I was like, Oh, 
yeah, you're right. I totally said all of those things. And so from then on, I kind of came back to Nashville with like a, like my, uh, the fire had been reignited and I was like, okay, there's a bigger goal now. I don't really understand why or how or anything, but I'm trusting that this is something God has given me. And so I'm going to run with it. And so I continued paying off debt for that rest of that year, uh, finished last December. And then about March, I kind of like resurfaced for air and realized I needed to decide a, is this really what God's telling me to do? And then once I knew it was, I had to decide if I was going to say yes, because we always have a choice Mm -hmm. in obedience. We can say yes, or we can say no. And I just knew I would totally regret if I didn't try this thing. So the current journey I'm on. How did you know? How did you know that it was what God was calling you to? I know that so many girls are sitting here thinking about their thing, whatever it is, and wondering, Mm -hmm. how do I know if this is me? How do I know if, like, how do I, how do I be sure? That is such a hard question to answer because it's definitely different for everyone. And, you know, our relationships with the Lord, they all look different. But for me, I know that because um, it was the same situation when I felt like I was supposed to move to Nashville. It was something that didn't make sense to me. And so I tried to push it away. Um, I tried to ignore it. it. It didn't, it didn't make sense. And the fact that it kept popping up, um, it just affirmed to me that it was him telling me something. Mm-hmm. Um, but even, even in the process of like making the decisions, I was super hesitant because this is a big deal. Like I was going to quit my full-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, which was a great job with amazing people. And ha- I mean, had great benefits, like all the things. And I knew I was going to le- need to move from Nashville, which was going to be super hard. So it was all these things that I knew were going to be very challenging, but it was almost as if, I don't think I like actively told God anything, but in my head, I was like, I'm just taking one step at a time. And the minute someone tells me this is a bad idea, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and guess what? Nobody told me it was a bad idea. So it kind of was like just little tiny affirmations along the way. Um, I'm hesitant to take big old leaps of faith um, because I am a planner. Um, and so it, it, I just feel like he was really gracious to me in that it was just these little tiny steps of obedience. And the whole process was very gradual for me. Like my lease was up at the end of the summer. And so I moved in with friends, which meant I had to sell all my furniture before that. And then I had an amazing leader at the, at the company I worked at who, um, just loves the Lord so much. And so when I started telling her some of the things she was like, Oh my gosh, yes, you need to go do that. And so I just, it was too much affirmation for me to really question whether this was God doing it or not. And I had plenty of people telling me like, well, cause I was really worried. I was like, what if this doesn't work out? What, it, what, what, what do I do? So many people said, well, you can always, A, you can always move back to Nashville. You can always get another job. And I'm not like above being a barista or like just doing something to do something. Yeah. And so it was encouraging for people to say like, it's worth taking the risk because you are always going to regret not trying mm-hmm. if you don't. Like how so, far can you really fall in this moment? You know, and I think that that's true for so many of the decisions we make. Like, okay, so what if you apply to this job and don't get it? Like, okay apply for another one. You know, I mean, really there's so few decisions where it's like, that's irreversible. That's irreparable. Mm -hmm. That's like, you go to Europe and you run out of money, you come home, you know? And it's so many of the things. Um, yeah, I feel like the, the risk feels really great, but it's, if it doesn't, if for some reason you hit a, hit a wall at some point, it's going to be okay. 
it's very easy to build up the risk in your mind too. And I'm a what if person, I consider every outcome. And so I was like, well, what if this happens? Or what if it was just so much. And I feel like God was just, well, I, when I imagine the way God looks at me, I think it's usually like, Oh, Janine, (laughs) you're just so cute with your little plans. Um, (laughs) let me show you something greater. Um, it was a lot of that. And I will say like, you know, I paid off debt in December. And so the rest of the time I was working, I was saving. Um, I kept doing all the extra jobs to save, um, to like have a good savings account that it's like just for emergencies, because mm-hmm. like we've already said, those rainy days are always going to come. Yeah. Um, and then above that, I saved a bunch for this trip. So, yeah. 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 I think too, um, we're waiting for God to say, this is what I have for you. And we doubt so much, you know, this dream pops up in our heart and we're like, we're so quick to say this probably is just me. This probably isn't God. But like a lot of the things that, that we're dreaming of, and I have this conversation all the time, the things we're dreaming of are really beautiful things. And like, um, I think sometimes God has a really specific plan for us. I think sometimes he's like, kiddo, what are you dreaming of? Like, let's do that together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, I'm really bad at, um, like indulgences, uh, they feel very selfish. And so that's why I struggled with this dream in particular. Cause I was like, yeah, I want to travel Europe. That sounds amazing. But why would God tell me to travel Europe? Like it was one of those kinds of like, yeah, I was almost like counting, counting out the fact that he might be calling me to something just because I wanted to do it. And then somebody actually, once I moved back here, so it was like last week, um, someone told me like, sometimes all God wants to know is like, he'll ask us, where are we right now? And then what do we want? Cause he's not above giving us good gifts and the things that we desire to do. And sometimes just us desiring to do something is from him. And so why would we question, Oh, he wants me to go do this thing I want to do. It's not just, he doesn't just tell us to do things we don't want to do. So true. And, and usually <laughs> if we don't want to do something, it always ends up being a good thing. And we're like, Oh, I'm so glad I did that. But um, totally. there's this verse and I'm going to need to look it up. I'll put it in our show notes, but it's in Psalms and it says, um, give me the desires of my heart. And mm-hmm. I remember exactly where I was. I had been a Christian for like 45 seconds when I remember I was talking <laughs> to someone about this and they said, you know, so often we think that when we read that verse, it seems like kind of a genie in a lamp. Like we rub the lamp. We have three wishes. God, give me the desire of my heart. This is what I desire. Um, But she was like, what if that verse was more about a desires transplant where it's like, Mm. God put desires in my heart, give me your desires so that I can desire them too. And I think that when we're in a relationship with God, when we like trust him and get to know him and know how much he loves us and know how, like how big and powerful and majestic and also warm and, um, loving and tender he is for us, like we want the things that he, he wants, you know, we're not like, you know, I have so many, I've had this conversation with so many women where they're like, I really want to go on a mission trip, but I'm pretty sure that's just my desire. Like, wait a minute. Why in the world would God not, if you want to go on a mission trip, why in the world would God not want that for you? And Mm -hmm. like one, he's already said all over his word, like go to the ends of the earth, like preach the gospel, love my people, take care of them. Mm -hmm. That's already a command for all of us. But, um, I, I think that that we get worried that we're desiring something outside of his will. Like his will is this tiny, tiny point. And sometimes it is, but I think for the most part, like if you're close to God, if you're spending time with him, if you are in a relationship with him and you desire something that's like obviously good, I think you can usually assume that it's either 
God's totally for it. Or if he wants something a bit different, he's going to use this to get you there. But we can Mm -hmm. trust that, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, okay. So you, when did you actually make the decision to like (laughs) pull the plug, quit your job? Cause you just moved home a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, I, I honestly don't know. (laughs) It was probably in like the late spring. I think, I mean, I was seeing, okay, my lease is up in a few months and, you know, I felt like my season at my job was coming to a close for sure. And so I really feel like it was just like one thing after the other, like, okay. Um, well here, Oh, you know what? Here's probably when I really decided I went to New York in June to visit a friend and, um, it was almost kind of, kind of like a trial run for me. Cause I knew I was going to spend a couple of days with her, but then I knew I was going to spend a couple of days on my own. And I was like, okay, I don't know if I can travel Europe by myself. Can I actually do this like solo? So why not try in like the biggest, busiest, most populated city in the United States. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so while I was there, I, you know, I had a little bit of a plan, but kind of just let the city happen to me while I was there and, um, came back from it and just had such peace, um, that like, okay, yeah, I think I can do this. I think, it, I mean, that was like five days. It's a little different than like four or five months, but Hey, it's a stepping stone. So, <laughs> uh, I came back and I think that was about the time that I had the conversation with my leader at work. And, um, ironically, actually she, she wanted to talk to me about what God was doing in my life. Cause she had a sense that something was coming. And so we had that conversation and she was totally on my side about it. Um, super supportive. And that was when I was like, okay, yeah, well, I've told her, so I guess this is happening. Like it was kind of one of those things. I was like, well, I told my roommates I'm moving. So uh, I'm going to live with my friends. So like, it was just one of those, like one step at a time that totally set me on this path. Um, but yeah, it's been, a, it's been a hard transition. I won't lie about that. It's, uh, I loved Nashville and I loved the community there. And, um, I haven't lived in my hometown for like eight or nine years. So it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. But like, and you said this right before we started recording, you said just because it's hard doesn't mean it's like, or just because it's hard doesn't mean it's wrong. Like it's that right and hard are Uh oftentimes the same thing. Oh, actually, can I throw in a Harry Potter quote? Oh, absolutely. Any day, (laughs) any day. Um, I might butcher it now that I've said I'm going to do it, but basically it, it just talks about how sometimes the easy thing is not the right thing. Um, gosh, well, I'm so sad. I don't actually know it by heart because that's a fail as a fan, but, um, yeah, it says sometimes we have to make the choice between what's right and what's easy. Hmm. That's what it is. Dumbledore. He said it. Um, and so this is one of those things where this was not the easy decision. Um, but in my, in my gut and in my heart, I knew it was the right decision. So here we are. Here we, I love it. Well, okay. So do you have a plan for, um, Europe? When do you leave? Where are you going? What are you going to be doing while you're there? Do you know any, and it's okay if you don't, I know that that's, always, <laughs> I feel like asking people their plans. That's like, yes. Oh, you're graduating high school. Where are you going to college or graduating yeah. college? What are you going to do with your life? You're like, <laughs> stop asking. All the hard questions. Yes. Um, I have some semblance. I mean, this season, I'm not going to leave until the spring. So like March or April. Um, and the reason that I moved back to California months before that is for multiple reasons, but the biggest one, I just knew God was pulling me into a season of rest. Mm -hmm. Um, because I was working so much in Nashville. Um, I was just go, go, go. And, um, in that, he taught me that I actually don't trust him to provide for me financially, um, which was really hard for me because I was like, but wait, 
I paid off all my debt. And then I was, I heard myself say that and I was like, Oh, right. I said, I paid off all my debt. Hmm. Um, and it, he just has shown me that like, I rely on myself because I've had to be financially independent since I was like 15. So I rely on me to make money, big things like, um, jobs or college. Those are very easy for me to trust God to provide. Cause they're so more out of my control. Mm-hmm. Um, but like making money, I was like, I'm scrappy. I can find something to do. I can yeah. make some money. Um, and I just sensed him telling me a few things. And one was, you don't trust me to provide for you financially. You don't know how to rest. You find a lot of your value in doing, and you don't know how to just sit and be in my presence. And I was like, oh no, you're so right. I don't know how to do those things. And then I felt like he was like, so I'm going to teach you all those things at once. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be so hard, but I know that it's going to be worth it. One, just as a human, as a child of God, I need to know how to do those things. But I have this deep, deep sense that all the things I'm going to learn in these few months are somehow going to propel me into whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing when I'm in Europe. Um, so to answer your question, I don't fully know what I'm going to be doing while I'm in Europe, apart from um, seeing some family and friends. And then I have like friends of friends that are in different countries. So I'm going to, um, try and be connecting with all of them. Um, I'm really passionate about getting a locals experience and not just being uh, a tourist. And so not that that's bad. I just, um, I really want to invest as much as I can, even if it's just for a short amount of time. And so, um, I'm really hoping to get that experience and, um, and, you know, as a believer, uh, it'll be really interesting to go over there. Cause you know, like it's not, um, I don't want to say it. I'm, I'm, I anticipate that there might be some darkness in different countries and different cities. And, um, and, uh, I just want to be a light in those places. I want God to use me however he sees fit. And, uh, and then I have a little passion project on my heart with photography while I'm out there. So I, I see God developing that vision a little bit while I'm in this season of rest. Man. Oh, so good. I'm so excited about all that God's doing. Um, and I'm, I feel like the girls who are listening already are like, uh, tell me your Instagram so that I can follow along. <laughs> Don't worry, you guys, we will, we will be able to follow along. I cannot wait. Um, so Janine, there are two other things I really wanted to ask you about. Um, something that you wrote about on your blog recently is that, um, you feel God calling you into a a deeper level of healing, um, from some things in your past. Um, and you actually, uh, you said that there was a, a, um, article on relevant magazines Mm -hmm. website, which I'll link to. Um, but you pulled out a quote from it that I want to read because it was so good. And, um, this is something that's like really, uh, relevant and on my heart these days. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like God has been doing the same thing with me, pulling me into a deeper level of healing, saying like, um, you've, yes, you've healed so much and you've grown so much, but, but I want to take you a level deeper. Uh, and so I just mm-hmm. want to read that quote. Um, so it says healing parts of your heart that you've once put to the side, whether to survive, to be strong, to avoid pain or to take care of others may be the most powerful act of faith that God is calling you to make today. Um, and I, I really love that. So can you just talk to us about what that's been like and, um, t- tell us about that. Oh, if I cry, I'm sorry, but also I'm not because I cry a lot. Um, <laughs> okay, I do too. This is where we're friends. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I uh, I guess the easiest way to say it is I had to grow up really fast just um, as a kid. Um, just some things happened in my family when my, when my parents split up and I was the oldest. I had a younger brother. And um, I kind of went into like helper mode and um, ignored a lot of my own feelings um, that I was dealing with and or that I, was, I wasn't dealing with them. That was the problem. And so then when I was a teenager, um, a lot of those emotions resurfaced kind of out of nowhere. And, um, as a 15 year old, I did not know how to handle them. And at the same time, I was kind of known as like the happy bubbly person and didn't feel like I had the space or the freedom to feel sadness and anger. Um, and so I struggled with some depression and then eventually self-injury in high school. Um, it was not for a long time, which I'm really grateful for. Um, and I went to counseling, but I realized that, um, while I learned through counseling then that it's okay to feel those feelings, I didn't fully immerse myself in them. And just as an adult, it's like, you start to see things differently than you did as a child. You look back on certain memories that maybe you stuffed down and hadn't thought about for a really long time. And all of a sudden God brings them back, you know, to your mind and you realize, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that. I felt this way. Um, and that's kind of what's been happening. It's been like, Oh, I didn't realize that maybe me being, you know, the, the fixer and the helper in the family has put me in a really weird situation as an adult. Cause I'm still kind of looked at that way and being across the country from all of my family was really hard too, while still being looked at as the pillar of strength, even though I'm not a child anymore, but I was, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it seems like it was right up, you know, my job was coming to a close and, um, I was living with friends at the time and I knew I was getting ready to move. And all of a sudden all these emotions started resurfacing these memories. And, um, I just sensed God saying, Hey, there's still some things we need to work on. Um, and knowing this is where I'm going to probably cry and knowing that I'm actually going to have the time and space to work through those in this season of rest. Um, it's just, it's his timing. It's completely his timing. And, uh, I am like a strong proponent for counseling for everyone because it doesn't matter if you're like currently going through a really tough situation or not having an objective perspective to speak into your life. Um, and who's trained to do those things, um, I think is so crucial and so important. And so that's one of my big things on my to-do list while I'm here, um, home without a full-time job, I want to go to counseling and just work through some of these things that I didn't realize, um, I hadn't addressed or I had stuffed down, um, particularly in regard to family and then relationships. Um, I'm like, <laughs> I like self deprecatingly call myself the eternal single friend, um, <laughs> which is partially true. I mean, I've been single for six years, um, and I'm not bitter about it. I actually see so much purpose in it, but, um, I've realized it's because I'm really scared of relationships mm. and maybe that has some stuff to do with, you know, my family or my experiences. And so seeing some of those things, I'm a highly self-aware person, which is good and bad because sometimes I'm like, Oh, I can self-diagnose. It's fine. But no, I really need to have someone else speak into my life about these things. So yes. just leaning into those places where I see there are still wounds and there are still, um, just things that need to be worked through. And there's a lot of good things too. My life's not all sadness right now. It's just, um, I just see so much purpose in, in this season and knowing that I get to have the space to, um, like converse with God on these things and then have a professional help me through them as well. 
I'm so, so glad you shared that. And, um, man, I feel like you're reading right out of my journal right now, because I think that we have this tendency to think that you should only go to counseling if you have something really big, either going on today or in your past. And, um, really big is very subjective. And actually my counselor who I started going to two weeks ago, um, it'll be, it'll be, uh, longer than that by the time, by the time this airs. But, um, she said that, um, suffering, everyone has suffering in their lives and that suffering, Mm -hmm. she, she defines it as anything that wouldn't have happened in the garden of Eden. Mm. And I just, that's exactly the face I made. I just was like, Oh, got to write that one down. Yes, seriously. I mean, it's, so I think we think that something giant needs to have happened in our lives. And, um, and there's not anything giant going on in my life today, or, um, you know, not anything giant that I can think of where I'm like, Oh, I really, um, like I for sure need to go to counseling for that. But there just were enough things where I was like, almost like the emotional or mental equivalent of like, my knee hurts sometimes when it rains or like every (laughs) once in a while, like I get a headache and I'm not sure why, or just like little things. And I started kind of writing them down like, oh, you know, there was this sad thing that happened that one time that, you know, I've never really talked to anyone about, or when Mm -hmm. I get in this situation, I tend to react this way and I wish I didn't react that way or just things like that. And so it's been on my to-do list forever to find someone to talk to because, um, I had this, this, inclination that this was the best thing I could do for myself and for Mm -hmm. my relationships and for my marriage and for my friendships and for the women that I lead. And, um, so when, when I, when you shared this quote, I was like, Oh yes. Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) so good. And, and so I know that that's something I really wanted to do in my life. And I, so I love hearing that you're doing it too, because I feel like we can like hold hands and do it together. Yeah. And I think it's important too. uh, there's this man, I hope I can say this, but there's kind of a stereotype in the church that like, you should be fine. You're a Christian. You should have joy. You have Jesus. He did everything for you. And while those things are so true, that does not mean that we need to mask our emotions or try to ignore them. And like, we need to, I just want everyone to know that like, you have permission to feel your feelings, whether they are good and joyous, or they are really hard and really depressing. There's no shame in that. Um, honestly, it's far more healthy to feel your feelings and work through them than to try to mask them with like joy that might not be genuine. Um, you know, there's just, there's some, there's some misconceptions about, um, depression and counseling and all of these other things that really there shouldn't be just because we have Jesus doesn't mean life is perfect rainbows and daisies and all that stuff. It's still really, really hard because we live in a broken world full of broken people who are trying their best. I think most people are really trying their best, but we are going to fail one another. We are going to hurt one another. And so there's no shame in feeling those deep feelings. And if you feel like you want to go to counseling, girl, do it. It's so worth it. Yes. Yes. I mean, we don't say, um, like Jesus is big and, and like our God is a healer and he is Mm -hmm. absolutely, but we don't say, um, our God is a healer. Therefore you shouldn't go to the doctor. Like we Mm -hmm. say our God is, our God is a healer. And sometimes he heals us without any intervention at all. And sometimes he heals us through training and equipping people who can administer, you know, treatment. Um, and that's the same for our minds and our hearts and our souls. And so I, I love that. Um, I also, (laughs) I love it. And this is another, um, I love that you said that you're, that you want to, that you think you might be afraid of dating, um, and that you want to talk, like talk to someone about that. And I love that because, yeah. um, 
the I'm I'm try, I wish I could remember the quote, but um, and it's I share it in the course. Um, but it's like we attract people that are basically at equal health to us, mm-hmm. um, and it's scientific. Like you, if the to the great let's see to the degree that you are healthy, you will attract someone who is at that same degree of health, mm-hmm. um, and it just is true all the time. And so, um, the healthier we can be as people, and while we're single before we're attached to someone is the perfect time to do that because Mm -hmm. you can bring such a healthier self. You're not trying to like earn marriage or whatever. You're just bringing a healthier Mm -hmm. self into a relationship. And, um, if like, I say this all the time, but if Carl and I had met earlier, our relationship would have been so much harder. Um, a lot of the healing and growth that we both intentionally did and that God did in us while we were single before we met, I can see the fruit of that every single day Mm. in our marriages or in our marriage. Um, and so I'm such a fan of like using this time and, and, or if you're already married, like today's the day, you know, whatever, whatever, (laughs) whatever it is, today is the day um, to just be the healthiest people we can be. And it's the best thing we can do for ourselves and for the people in our lives as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would say to you something, if you're if anyone who's listening is kind of in a place where I've just basically, I want to say like, I already kind of said, I'm a very self-aware person, but recently the Enneagram has kind of like taken over the world. I feel like. Stop. I was going to ask you what you were. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Good. I had it on my list of things I wanted to chat about because I'm obsessed with personality assessments in general, but the Enneagram I feel like has given me so much insight into maybe why I feel some of the ways that I feel and that I felt isolated in. Um, I'm a four, uh, which is the romantic or the individualist, depending on which test you uh, take or look at. Basically, some of the uh, honestly, when I took it, when I took the, when I read the book and had to figure out what I was, I was mad because I read the four. I was mad too. <laughs> and I was like, ugh, I hate everything this says. Why do I hate this so much? And then I talked to my friend, you know, Jessica. We mutual. Um, she's um, like obsessed with Enneagram, okay, and so when I need start, to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, you totally talked about that. Because I was like, uh, I'm, I hate everything a four says. And she just laughed at me, and she's like, mm, that's usually the indication that that's what you are, because it's kind of striking a nerve in you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she added, I've had you pegged as a four since the day I met you. So I was like, okay, well, uh, all right. So I, you know, started doing some more research and looking into it, and it helped me realize like some of these feelings I have of like not being known and feeling like nobody will ever understand me or. Um, this like need to feel special or unique, which even as I say it, it sounds so gross, but I, I, it resonates with me because that is how I've always felt. And, um, I felt very isolated for a really long time. I have a hard time living in the present, which is so true. I daydream like it's nobody's, like it's my job basically. And then I can live in the past really easily, but the present can be so challenging, which makes so much sense when I start to think about these, uh, these adventures that I have taken and moving to Nashville and now moving back home for a season, um, hard for me because the present is hard. It's easy to imagine the Europe part. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to be in the rest part. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm a four, any other fours out there? Let's chat about it. It's a rough one. Um, I'm a two. <laughs> and I have been learning so much about that lately and it's been so cool to, um, I feel like, yeah, it's helped me understand 
um, the, the great things about me. And then also kind of the flip side, because really the truth is that the best things about you and the worst things about you are sort of two sides of the same coin. Um, yes. and when I found out as a two, I was so mad, like, Oh, this is the <laughs> worst one. Why can I not be something else? Um, but it's been so good. I'm so glad you said that. Um, yeah. I'm hoping that we can have an Enneagram expert on the podcast sooner rather than later. So we're working. Oh, that'd on be that. amazing. Yes. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, and then we have, um, three last questions that I have been asking everybody. Um, but something that you have been talking about lately and, um, that you have written about kind of a lot is, uh, I know in February of last year, last year, I think last year, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. February of this year or last year, I can't remember. Um, you made a really big decision and that decision was that you were going to start loving yourself. Mm. Um, and <laughs> this struck such a, a nerve with me too, because I absolutely remember, the season when I decided and knew, okay, I need to stop being my own worst critic because this isn't getting us anywhere. And really, I just like I have this committee in my head telling me how terrible and stupid and ugly and not good enough mm-hmm. and everything that I am. And I can't get away from that committee if it lives in my head. Um, and right. so that was a huge journey for me. And so I would love to hear, um, I'd just love to hear you talk about that a little bit. How did you come to that conclusion and how have you been doing that in your life? Oh, it's a daily battle. That's for sure. Because negative self-talk is real. Um, and it's something that I've found I I really need to shut down every single day. Um, (laughs) I had a friend back in Nashville who, whenever I'd say something negative about myself and I'm really hard on myself. Um, I actually was really torn with the Enneagram between being a four and a one and the one's a perfectionist. Um, I'm just, I'm so hard on myself. I count myself out before anyone else can, but my friend, whenever I'd say something negative, she would look at me and say, do not talk about my friend Janine that way. Stop it. I had a girlfriend say that to me too. And it just <laughs> like game over. Yeah. Game it, over. I know. I like, I, I just like kind of stood there in shock. Like, Oh no, what, what do I do? Like, yeah. Why am I talking about myself this way? And I've kind of adopted it and started saying it when people say negative things about themselves. And I have to say it to myself, like on a daily basis, like, why are you saying that about yourself? Like God made you and you are special and you are unique and you are beautiful and you are talented and gifted and things that are very hard for my heart to receive. I'm not good at receiving in general. So, um, I made that decision because, um, it was about the time I was coming up from air from all my crazy jobs. And, uh, I just realized that I was 27 and had hated my body since I was like 14. That's half of my life. Um, really long time. Uh, it's a, such a long time. And, um, I've always been more athletically built and, um, and always kind of like in high school, I thought I was like the ugly friend of the group, which is, I like hate, I hate that that's true, but it is 100% how I felt. And I think one day I just, I was looking through old journals. I keep all my journals. Um, and I was reading back through them and I became a Christian in high school when I was 17. So, um, I didn't know a lot of things when I was 14, 15, 16, but, um, just seeing the progression of still not loving myself, it broke my heart. And I think I just got a sense of God's heart for me in that moment of like, him just saying, Janine, I made you like, I made you and I'm going to cry again. Oh my gosh. Am I the first one who's cried? Is this okay? Oh, um, you are t- I've cried. I have cried. <laughs> and no, you're not the first. Oh this gosh. is, you're okay. perfect. You're fine. 
Um, I just felt him saying, I made you intentionally. I made you with purpose, on purpose, for a purpose. I made you in my image. So you are not ugly. You are beautiful. You are not fat. You are perfectly made the way I wanted you to be. And that doesn't disqualify needing to take care of myself because I think that's something else I realized too was, well, maybe I'm not taking care of myself. Maybe I should be actually following the diet the doctor told me I needed to follow and um, exercising more. And I know that when I'm exercising, I feel better. And so it was just kind of one of those things where I sensed, hey, like no more of this. It's not like it's not right. And it's not fair to yourself to feel all these negative feelings. Nobody is saying any of these things to you. In fact, everyone is saying the opposite. Mm -hmm. So why are you buying into the lies that you're not good enough? You're not pretty enough. You're not what fill in the blank. You're not enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was just one of those things where I was like, I need to put it out there because I also process that best uh, through the written word. And so putting it out there, writing it out, I actually wrote it just for me. Um, But as I was reading through it, I was like, I don't know who else might need to read this. Also, it might be really good accountability (laughs) if I go ahead and put it out on the internet. Um, And it ended up being one of the best things I could have done in that regard because I had a lot of uh, other girls kind of come to me after that. Um, But it's still really hard. It's not like a, a, you know, the flick of a switch. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh, now I never think anything negative about myself. I'm great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's still a daily battle. But knowing um, and praying that God just really like roots that in my heart that he made me and there's purpose and intentionality and beauty in the way that he made me, um, has been the key to remembering that I got to shut down the negative, the negative stuff that I tell myself. Yes. Yes. I feel like that was the same thing. Um, gosh, again, you're like reading my journal. I feel like, um, (laughs) this hits so close to home because like insecurity and negative self-talk was just one of the hardest insecurity is one of the hardest battles Mm -hmm. I've ever fought. And it was a lifelong battle. Mm -hmm. And it was only, um, I think I was probably 24 or 25 when I finally like realized that maybe, um, the, the things that I thought were true about me were actually true. Um, and I kind of start, I started digging into God's word and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what it is that he says about me. And then I was stuck with sort of a decision. I had all the things I'd been saying about myself for years, all the reasons I wasn't good enough and ugly and and too much and stupid and all these things. Um, And then on the other hand, I had the things that God says to be true about Mm -hmm. me. And I had to decide which one I wanted to believe. And I mean, when you put it like that, it's like, okay, my thoughts or God's thoughts. Like one of those is not like the other. (laughs) Um, And (laughs) I just... I decided, you know, I want to believe what God says. And mm-hmm. I had sort of a, a like a, a little tiny vision, I think, of what it could look like to actually believe the things that God says to be true about you and how tall you would walk and how radiant you would be, how much you would glow if you just believed these things to be true. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's hard. It's really hard. And you're totally right. It's not a flick of a switch. But I think for me, it was like, starting to pay attention to the thoughts in my head and doing it's, I never can remember this scripture. It's like second Corinthians 10 five, or five, eight through 10 or something like that. But it's, um, where it talks about, um, taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. Mm, yes. I really took that seriously and started paying attention to my thoughts and like putting a bouncer at the door of my heart and going, okay, this thought came in. Are you from God? 
wait a minute, God has never said that about me. No, mm-hmm. you get out and like replacing it with the truth, mm-hmm. making it obedient to Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's totally a new way of walking and it feels so foreign and uncomfortable, but it's been really cool because the more I practiced, the more I practiced mm-hmm. believing that I am who God says I am, the more it's stuck. Um, and I just love it. Like, like I'm, I mean, obviously it's every day you have to, to make that switch and you have to, um, like shut down those negative thoughts, but it gets easier the longer you do it. And it's amazing yes. how much taller you feel and how much more beautiful you feel. Yes. And it's amazing. Yes. I, and I have to say, I completely agree with all of that because I actually took post-it notes, um, of, you know, scripture that where God was telling me who I am and how he made me. And I put them all over my bathroom mirror. It was a hot mess, but it was so good for me every morning to be getting ready and seeing those things and remembering that those are the truth. And what I might be telling myself is not the truth. Um, it helps to kind of ingrain it into my head and into my heart so that I could walk more confidently throughout the day. I think the biggest reason I struggle is sometimes I feel very confident. And then I think, am I being overly confident? But I don't think we need to question those things. If God made us intentionally and he says that we're perfectly and wonderfully made and that he knows every like hair on our head, like just all the things that he says about us that are truth. It's much easier. Like you said, to recognize the lies. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I seriously just about fell out of my chair when you said that you did uh, put sticky notes everywhere because this whole journey, one of my girlfriends, she, um, it was when we were traveling around the world on the world race and Mm -hmm. I was kind of in the thick of this journey and she got sticky notes and wrote the, the truth. She didn't have the full scripture. It was like, um, but things that God says, like chosen, Mm -hmm. like loved, worthy, all these things. And I came back to my room and these sticky notes were all over my bed. Mm -hmm. And, um, I ended up every time we would move, I would take down the sticky notes and put them back up over my bed. And so, I mean, I Mm -hmm. lived under these truths for like a whole year. And I actually, I have, I wrote all about that in, um, in my devotional. And so the girls who are reading it are like, (laughs) wait a minute, I've heard about this before. I love that you did that. That's so Mm -hmm. amazing. I love that. I brought them with me to California. So they're, they're still here. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Sticky notes for the win. I feel like we just need to like give out pads of sticky notes to everybody. Just put these above your bed. It helps. Um, Okay. So I want to ask you just kind of our last three questions. Um, I feel like we could sit here and talk forever and honestly, Um, but I would love to know, um, gosh, and you're in such a season of learning, but, um, what's one of the things like kind of, if you could, um, like pinpoint a specific thing, what's something that God's teaching you right now? Um, just the importance of rest Yes, and how it isn't, self-indulgent and it isn't selfish. Um, rest is really important. I've been hit a lot, um, whether I was hearing a speaker or reading a book with, um, just the importance of Sabbath and how that is something that we are really bad at. I hope I'm not overgeneralizing. I'm sure some people are really good at it, but I think for the most part, we're all pretty terrible at it. Yeah. I just feel like we are such a society of go, go, go and hustle. And, um, and that can be okay for a season, I think, but Sabbath is so important. And somebody once, uh, the way they explained it to me was that, um, we often see Sabbath or taking a day of rest as a reward for all of the work that we've done. But what if, it's actually preparation for the work that God has for us. What if that day of rest or that season of rest 
is, and, and just being with him in that, that day, what if that's actually going to put us in a better position to take on the things he has for us over that next week or in that next season? And that really hit me hard because I'm so bad at resting. If I'm, if I don't have things on my schedule or I don't have things to do, I almost feel purposeless. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm, it's, it, he's teaching me the importance of rest and Sabbath and, and, um, really applying that to this season, which is kind of an extended one. I feel very fortunate that, um, I get to, I get to have this season, but if it's not a season, make it a day. If you can't do a full day, do a half day, like turn off your phones or put it in another room, get out your Bible, get your coffee, like whatever it is you need to do. Um, or if you have a family, like everyone just hang out, like hang out together without a TV, without phones, without anything. And, um, just be with one another and like spend time talking about what God's doing in your life and the things you're praying for and hoping for. And, um, you know, open your Bibles and read some scripture and see how God might speak to you through that. Because what if you read something or what if you have a conversation with someone in that time and it just, it just opens up an opportunity for you that next week that you might not have had like that, I'm going to cry again. (laughs) I just think that that's incredible. And like, what a gift we have that like, that's something we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Um, that's something that we get to do because God commanded it. Um, so yeah, I'm learning the importance of rest and the importance of just being versus doing. Oh, so good. Oh my gosh. You're speaking my language. Um, okay. Tell me, uh, what's something kind of random that's been bringing you joy lately? Oh, random. Or just whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, I, it's felt self-indulgent, but I've been sleeping in this last week. Like I haven't been setting alarms because I haven't had to. I have like a little virtual job, so I'm still working a little bit and I babysit. But like I've been able to just sleep in and it's been really nice because <laughs> I mean, when I was working full time, I didn't get to do that. And so I'm um, just kind of waking up when my body wants to wake up um, and then enjoying a little cup of coffee in my bed while I read. Um, it was hard for me the first few days. I was like, this is the worst. Like I want to read and I want to sit in my bed, but this feels so like lazy. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just felt God saying like, no, like enjoy this, enjoy this, just savor this moment. Cause one, not everyone gets to do this. And two, you're not going to get to do this forever. Um, so that, and then like the random thing are all the personality assessments. Uh They're awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Oh man. I'm so glad when I, um, I know that like every, I feel like so many people are going Enneagram crazy lately, but, um, it's like so fun to talk about because it's so, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's such a, such a cool way of, of looking at ourselves and the people in our lives and learning about them. And Mm -hmm. um, that's so cool. Um, okay. Mm -hmm. So tell me who, this is kind of our last question, but, um, who's a woman who's been inspiring you lately that we could, give just a giant shout out to you and that we can kind of follow along with. Yes. This one was hard for me because there are so many amazing, amazing women out there who either I do know or don't know in real life. Um, and so (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I like opened up Instagram and I Uh went to like the people I'm following and I started, I was, had a plan to start scrolling, but the first person on that list, cause it's not like chronologically by who you follow anymore. Um, the first person was my friend, Ashley real. Um, but her Instagram handle is share love everywhere. And, um, it's kind of, it's, uh, kind of a butcher, like trying to explain what it is, but basically she has taken the idea of writing notes of kindness, um, 
and kind of spread it around the world in a sense where uh, you just get to write a note of kindness, put it somewhere random, and then someone will find it. And like, it can say anything. And she posts a bunch of um, the pictures that people find because they'll like post it on Instagram and it will just say something like, um, you're beautiful and, um, you know, you're amazing. You're really talented. Or it'll have like a really inspiring quote from someone like C.S. Lewis or Oscar Wilde. And some people are so artistic and creative. And so they're so beautiful, but basically it's this concept of just like, what if just some kind words could change the world? Um, and so she has all these little note cards that you can get and, um, it's kind of fun actually, cause, uh, before I left Nashville, we, she lives in Nashville and when, um, we got together before I left and I, um, she actually had this idea and I'm so glad she did, but she just gave me a bunch of note cards and I'm going to kind of be doing a project with it while I'm out in Europe. So, um, yeah, so it's just really fun. It's a fun way to encourage a stranger. Um, and maybe like, you never know, they could be having an awful day or, you know, fighting some disease. You, I mean, you have no idea who could pick up this note that just says, Hey, you are really amazing. Or like Jesus loves you more than you could ever know. Um, and so anyway, her name's Ashley. Her Instagram is share love everywhere. Um, it's an amazing, amazing and very simple movement, but can be so powerful really if it's you know, really put into practice. So, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to check her out and follow her. And uh, <laughs> we'll make sure I'll make sure to link to her in the show notes so that um, so that everyone can follow her too. Um, Yay, Janine! Thank you so much for talking with me. This has been so good for my heart, and um, <laughs> I just am so so glad that um, all the women in our community are going to get to know you and uh, follow along with your journey. And I just I love what God's doing in your life and through your life, and I'm just so. Um, so grateful to, to know you. <laughs> you guys, isn't Janine the best? I just love her and I loved this conversation and I am so happy I got to share it with you. One thing I wanted to mention quickly is that I know we talked about a lot in today's episode. And so if you ever want to find the links to any of those things, all you have to do is go to my website. It's stephaniemaywilson.com slash blog. And for every episode, we'll have a blog post with the show notes. All of the links will be there for everything we talked about, including Janine's contact info so y'all can be friends with her and so you can follow along with her upcoming adventures. The other thing I wanted to mention is that if you haven't had a chance yet, it would mean so much to me if you would take a quick second to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. We've gotten so many amazing five-star reviews from y'all, and you've left the sweetest comments. I can't tell you how much it means to me, and also it really helps out the podcast. So if you haven't yet, please take just one second to leave a rating and a review. Thank you so much. Friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night, and trust me, you're going to love it. See you then.